This is Up For Debate Presents Scary Movies to Watch in the Dark. Tonight, episode number 162, recorded October 23rd, 2019. Chapter 1, The Exorcist. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this spooky, scary edition of Up For Debate Presents. I am Sean Jennings, joined, as always, by our own Captain Howdy. It is Matt Mariani. Hello, Matt. How are we doing today, Sean? I am I am just possessed by by the thrill of the cinema. That's right. As the exorcists say, how you doing? How <laughs> Devil, how you doing? I think that's uh, that's the way they open the exorcism. Is that's their supposed to famous catchphrase. How you doing? Um Matt. Yeah. I, it's almost Halloween. It We're is. a week away. We are a week away. We're very close. It's very exciting. Um, I don't watch scary movies normally, but we had this discussion of introducing a series of scary movies, watching them and discussing them here on the show. Matt, what do you think about horror movies? Uh, what, what do I think about? Are, are you a movies? fan? Do you enjoy them? Have you seen a lot of them? Um, I, I am, I am a fan. I do enjoy horror movies. I think I I would say that I've seen my share. I definitely by no means have seen a ton of horror movies. It's very seasonal for me. I'm not, I'm not one of those people that can watch a horror movie pretty much any, any other time than this, this special time of year. I, I maybe, maybe in the summer, I think summer is, is often a pretty good time for, um, horror movies like late summer nights and things like that. But that's really it. It's like, and, and, it, and it has to be at night. I, I can't really not just something about watching a horror movie during the day. I, I guess it doesn't, um, it just doesn't resonate the same. Mm-hmm. I feel like horror movies have to be at night and this time of year, they're um, definitely should be the most prevalent. I don't know. I mean, I can't really think of another genre of movies that are like that for Christmas me. movies. Do you watch Christmas movies any other time than Christmas? Well, I mean, that's is that would that we say that's a, I guess that is a genre of movies. I was thinking of like more of like a mainstream genre. Like, yeah, but none it's is not like I'm like, I only watch science fiction movies in the winter. I like, guess like action movies in the summer, maybe like do you watch well, a lot of action movies in, in January? I feel like I could watch an action movie okay. any time of year, like like any time. But a film like uh, The Exorcist, for example, I, I think that really it has to come around Halloween or a uh, little bit after Halloween, I think is acceptable. But I think once you hit Thanksgiving, I think that that window has, has kind of closed for me. Then you got to start watching those Thanksgiving movies. Movie window. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Then it's then it's it's Thanksgiving time. Charlie Brown and the Great Thanksgiving. I think that's what uh, it is. Yes. That's the one where he finally kicked the field goal. Yes, yeah, straight into right. the turkey. Instead of having it pulled away from him, and yep, then it, it turned out that um, everybody was betting on the other team, so he got his knees broken. I think that's how that's how that one ended. I don't think we saw the same Charlie Brown, but okay. Well, anyway, this is uh, our horror. Ooh, speaking of horror, one of my my <gasps> pictures just fell off of my desk. Oh no, cue the dramatic music. Oh, creepy. Dun, 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 Got me looking around nervously. Oh no. Oh no. Matt, is that pea soup coming out of your mouth? Uh-oh. I I, I guess I better Oh no, you were just eating pea soup. We better, yeah, we better call the exorcist. 
or I better call a doctor. Yes, definitely not normal. Matt, we are starting at the beginning. We've got six films we're going to go through. This is the oldest one on our list, coming out in 1973. Um, the Exorcist, directed by William Friedkin, uh, written and based on the book by William Peter Blatty, uh, his 1971 novel, uh, starring the great Ellen Burstyn, Linda Blair, Jason Miller, Max von Sydow, among others. Um, I had never seen this movie. I don't watch a lot of horror movies. Matt, I can probably count on one hand the number of horror movies, scary movies I've watched. Can you guess the last one? Now, I'll give you a hint. It's come out in the last 20 years. Nightmare Before Christmas. That No, that's not a horror movie, Matt. Stop that. What, what do you mean a, it's not a horror movie? It's absolutely it not. It's a movie for children. Anything? Yeah, there can be horror movies. For, also, have you ever heard of Hocus Pocus? I'm, that's not a horror movie. That's a Halloween movie. And for the record, Nightmare Before Christmas, bad movie. Anyway, uh, I just had to put that out there. That's can highly you, debatable. Can you guess the last one? Charlie Brown and the Great Pumpkin. All right, you're not even trying. You're not even trying. Uh, early, early, early two thousands. Weekend at Bernie's. Um, based based on another on a foreign movie. Rush Hour. A remake of a foreign movie. It's a horror movie, Matt. Again, I can't really stress that hard enough. This is going okay. nowhere fast. You saw The Ring. I saw The Ring. That was the it's last the horror movie, movie I that saw. Was the movie. And I did not care for it. Um, and so I was excited to get a shot at these six movies. And I'm going to open my eyes and I'm going to give them fresh look. I've never seen any of them, starting with The Exorcist. Matt, I watched the movie. You watched the movie. You did as well. Where do you want to yeah. start on this one, Matt? Um, because I, I can start all, rattling off very vulgar quotes if you would like. <laughs> well, that's yes. This that, this will be there movie, will be profanity. Sean, movie is vulgar quotes. I will that, say if there are any children the listening, third act. It's very very the graphic. entire third act of the movie. Um, where should we begin with this one? I guess um, I I, I chose this movie for a few reasons because th- this was my pick in our our horror movie uh, series, and I thought it would be a good one to kick it off because, um, for for me the um, the production of the movie is very much detached from the overall themes of the movie, um, if that makes sense. I'll, I'll try to elaborate on what I mean. Um, when I watched this movie for the first time. I, I was not scared. Um, I, I was probably I was probably like a young teen when I saw it for the first time. And I was probably the exact opposite of scared. I, I thought that it was kind of funny. I thought that the, the production was kind of like comical. Sure. Um, I thought that the way that they portrayed demonic possession was a little bit comical. Um, and I... I mean, I, I think I pretty much laughed at like everything that 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 came out of that little girl's mouth. Like it was just it just seemed like it was a parody. And then she's like crawling on the ceiling and stuff. But um, if you look at it in context, it the movie itself was very scary when it came out, like so, so terrifying. In fact, uh, and I have a quote here. Um it, the the film called what was known to journalists as a psych, psychiatric journal called it cinematic neurosis, triggered by this film, 
Um, there were reports of heart attacks occurring in theaters. Um, and, you know, how, how much of that was marketing hype and how much of that actually happened, we don't know. But um, the point is that when uh, when the movie came out in theaters in, in 1973, this was this was ultimately something that had not been seen before. And, and, and it really, really terrified audiences of, of that era. And interestingly enough, even with that, a massive hit lines around the block. It was the highest grossing R-rated horror movie on the books all the way until uh, it Stephen King's it uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Still. So it, it really, one of the greatest considered one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Oh, absolutely. Um, now watching it again, uh, I have to say I was um, still not so much enamored with the production value, but again, it's, it's 1971. I think watching it now and thinking about the movie in context, I think that, it was very much over the top, well done, um, in terms of of their capabilities back then. Um, now with the themes, uh, I can I can talk about the themes for for a long time, but I'll I'll give you like my my uh, brief summary of it. But first, I want to get your thoughts on the film, Sean. So, I. A couple things. One, I am a sucker whenever we get the opportunity to do a 60s or 70s movie on this show because I love old school filmmaking when they didn't have digital effects, when it was still shot on film. And I'm just watching it. And I'm like, this is a good looking movie. Like this is shot really well. Um, and I enjoy that. And I loved the practical effects, like to, to see the characters breaths. They literally shot. They they built the set in a refrigerator and had it below zero. Like that, I love that kind of stuff. Um, I will say that, to me, this is not a horror film. It, it's just, I, I'll just come, for me, it's not a horror film. Because I don't think the point of it was, I feel like, and, and I'll do this throughout the whole series, I'm going to compare it to modern horror movies. Um, but I didn't feel like the point of it was to scare you necessarily. I thought this was more cerebral than a typical horror movie. You want to call it a thriller. You want to call it a drama. You want to call it whatever. To call it horror, I'm not quite sure that fits this film because I feel like that that almost lowers it in a way. And it's it's above that. You got to remember, first horror, quote unquote, film to ever be nominated for Best Picture uh, along with the, and won two Academy Awards uh, for writing and for, uh, I believe, sound design was the, yeah, Best Sound Mixing. Um, and so... Uh, I thought the movie was phenomenal. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, and I can, well, throughout the next hour, you lucky folks will hear us talk about it, but from the acting to the directing, to the sets, to the sounds, to, to the, to all of it, I, I just thought was, was really fantastic. Yeah. Um, one, one of the other mind blowing things about the movie, like we, we mentioned the, uh, realism and the attention to, um, the attention to detail of the directors. Uh, there's one scene where they're they're trying the the scientists the doctors are trying to figure out what is wrong with Reagan with the, the the child, and they go about doing this medical procedure. I don't know if you remember the movie where they have to put like a needle in her neck. That was actually performed like that. That was there was no makeup like like that at all. That was like a real uh, actual. Procedure. I mean, they had they had real life physicians on the set, making sure nothing went wrong. But um, 
just uh, it, it was it was very interesting. Uh, they that's something that you I, don't, I really don't think you would ever see today. I mean, it made me it just it made me think of um, and this was this was totally accidental, but this this was this one was was planned, but the. The scene in Django Unchained where um, Leonardo DiCaprio smashes the – he like bangs his hand on a glass and the glass shatters in his hand. But he, they keep filming the scene with his hand all like bloody and cut up. Um, it's like it, it, like it's it's just that kind of realism that, that you don't really see too often. I feel like uh, for them to do something like that today would just would just not happen well and they did it in and amazingly enough there was there's a great if you have time there's a great documentary the fear of god which i had a chance to watch it's about an hour long the bbc made it on the 25th anniversary of the film in the 90s and they interview all the people and they talk about the behind the scenes but the director of uh of the exorcist william friedkin is a friggin lunatic (laughs) uh who loves to torture his stars and among other things in the film uh, the famous shot of the uh, the pea soup coming out of her mouth and hitting um, father in the eyes. It wasn't supposed to hit him in the face. It was supposed to hit him in the chest. And that, and it's his surprised reaction they have on film. It's the same uh, in the scene where she is masturbating with the crucifix and her mother gets pushed back into the wall and screams. She was yanked so hard by the special effects guy uh, when she was pulled back, she actually literally injured her back and had to go to the hospital. And the reaction you're seeing on screen is her real life. You see her reaching for her back in the take that they use in the movie. She's actually hurt. Um, and that and there's a couple other situations like that throughout the movie. So, I mean, this movie was was certainly as realistic as they could possibly make it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is. Uh, it, I, I always love when directors do stuff like that. Like you hear about Kubrick all the time pushing his his actors to the brink yeah you know he would uh like famously um in the shining he pushed the actress uh the one who played um uh the wife in the shining and the mom uh danny tanner's mom um not danny tanner uh danny um danny have you seen The Shining? No, I'm not bailing you out here. Torrance, Danny Torrance. Boom. Okay, I bailed myself out. That's I the same as Danny out. Tanner. That's exactly Danny the same. Torrance. Danny Torrance's mom. They, uh, he famously would would like harass her and and constantly like berate her in front of all the other cats to make her feel the um I guess the anguish, the mental anguish of her character. It's just like stuff like that. Uh, it's always always interesting when when the directors kind of cross that line, and they definitely did uh, for for this one, uh, The Exorcist. So, um, so the themes of the movie. What I always found interesting um, is you have this. It, it's very much of the time, right? Of the like, it's the night like nineteen seventies uh, post. Uh, sexual liberation, sexual freedom movement of the 1960s. Um, you know, you see, you start seeing a lot more, um, things like divorce and things like single parent households happening as the, the main character in the movie. It's explained in one of the earlier scenes is a single mother. Um, she is, uh, living in LA, living a very, I guess, um, worldly lifestyle. 
I think she is a she, is she an actress or did I make that up? No, she's an actress uh, who she's is shooting right. a movie in Washington D.C. That's why they're there. Trivia fact, Matt, do you know the name of the movie they're shooting? Huh. Uh, it, it is said. It is shown in the movie. No, I don't. I don't remember that at all. It is Crash Course. Is the name Crash of the movie course. Crash okay. Course, which involves that pro that fake protest scene um, on the steps of uh, of the school. Yeah. All right. So that's an interesting bit of trivia. I like. I, I think that would be a, that'd be a good one for uh, like a trivia night, like kind of like the the uh, everybody the famous uh, Blue Harvest, right? The, the yes. code name for yeah, really show Star off Wars. how big of a loser I am. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's a good one. Um, so, uh, it, it in contrast to I guess everything that's going on in that era, I mean, you see kind of the uh, the the role of religious institutions is diminishing, and um, you know the, the the priests in the movie, like one of them, like kind of dismisses uh, the whole thing as the, you know when when they first come to help to for help, they like it's, it gets very dismissed very readily and easily. It's like no. That stuff we used to do in the dark ages, we don't do that anymore. Exorcisms are fake and like all this. Mm -hmm. And then um, it turns out that they find uh, the the main priest whose name is Father Marin, right? Yes. And Father Marin is is like this this hardcore exorcist. From, like he's old school. He's from from the, the 40s and 50s. He used to perform exorcisms all the time. A lot of the other people think he's kind of a crackpot. Um, but which, he he comes out of the woodwork, which, by the way, is one of my, one of my favorite fun facts from the movie. I didn't realize uh, when the film was shot, the actor Max Van Sydow was 47 years old and they used makeup to age him up to his character's age of 77. Oh, okay. which I didn't even realize he, he spent like four hours a day in the makeup chair to be aged up. No, really? Yeah, that that uh. that's another I, I you know, I really I think after this show is over, I'm just going to order the. Uh, DVD, like the special edition DVD, and watch all the special. Well, there features. is there is of course the original cut and the later director's cut. So you know, make sure you you see both versions. Yeah, I admit I, I don't I don't know as much about this movie as I as I want to. Well, this I want to know more about this. This is movie. why we're good, Matt, because you yeah. I don't I, frankly we should talk about it. I don't really care about like the big themes and like I'm not I'm not like a cerebral guy when it comes to movies. I like. All my notes are about how the movie is made to me that. So that's why I think we make a good team because we cover all yeah. the aspects. I definitely like I like the I guess the backstory. I'm I'm more of the the thoughts guy. Yeah, the 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 and that's one of the things I did appreciate about this movie greatly is there's no real deep mythology to the movie. The, the, the um, demon doesn't even get a name. I beg to – actually, the, the demon does get a name. Not said in the movie. He has a name, but it's never sure – it's a fact. Oh, you're right. It's, it's never said in the movie. In, in the sequel. Right. I think they call P the name. Pazuzu. Pazuzu, right. Um, if you – in the book, it's 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 stated in the book. Right. I guess it's not in the movie. It's not said in the movie. Maybe it's maybe it's Exorcist 2. You're probably uh, right. Where they, where they specifically – they classify this, this specific demon as Pazuzu. But um, – it's uh, 
Are you sure that they don't say it in the movie? They the, don't the girl doesn't say it. I promise you, they don't say it in the movie. All right, You're, you, I might, I might be getting my my movie. Maybe it's, maybe it's, it's the you, second. You, one. you gotta but, take my word for it. But by the way, Exorcist Two worth watching. Is it? Not nearly as good as one. Sure. You have to. I think you have to have really enjoyed one. But two, two is is kind of worth it. It's okay. Um. It's uh. It's it's got some it's got some moments. Um but I'm trying to think, is that the one with let's see. No, never mind. It's not. Um I thought I thought Lawrence Fishburne was in the movie, but mm. I might be thinking of some 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 other movie. Anyway, um it's yeah, it was it's interesting that the, the I think the overarching theme is kind of this like superstition triumphing over science, which I love. Which is yeah, I, I I I agree. I think that's a um, it's a really interesting idea. It's a very I, I'm a big fan of fresh and and like not taking the beaten path kind of thing. Um, when with movies and and um, I really I really didn't enjoy that. It, it it turns out that it's like this old school like we're gonna do it the way that our ancestors did it kind of thing and that ends up sa like saving the day in the end i think that's that's it's cool um and it includes one of my favorite film tropes which is bad doctors from the 60s and 70s who don't believe the hysterical woman uh when she says something's wrong i i always love that in movies oh yeah oh yeah the horror movies back then yeah definitely rife rife with that kind of stuff uh like i, I just my thoughts just went right to rosemary's baby yep product of the same era oh yeah so, well, and um, that's in, in the documentary, um, to backtrack slightly, th there are a couple real priests actually in the movie, uh, father Joseph Dyer in the movie is played by father William O'Malley and, and the president of Georgetown is also played by a priest. Um, and one of them, I believe it was father Thomas was quoted in the documentary saying, we didn't want another Rosemary's baby. That's why the priests were willing to cooperate with the film and help them out. Um, be so that they could, uh, make it as, Obviously, it's never going to be 100% accurate to to the you know to the the Christian, uh, but they wanted to get it close. They wanted it to be somewhat factually accurate and not just total BS, which really comes through. I think because this is not insane. Like the things that happen in this movie are not. Cra her bed shakes around a lot. You know, I, I guess her head spinning around is probably the craziest thing that happens. But everything she moves some furniture around. Like it's not extreme in any way necessarily yeah she crab walks on the ceiling at one point i think doesn't she uh, on or, the floor but that was on the floor but yeah. that was cut from the theatrical version and wasn't shown until the later special edition okay um, but yeah, yeah I, there is supernatural stuff for sure um but it's not like you know she's blowing up people with her mind or, or something that's so far out of the realm of reality right Right. It it doesn't. It really doesn't depart too far from what I would imagine a like a real exorcism to be like. Obviously, dramatized highly. Oh, sure. For the but, sake of, of cinema. But, but again, it's what's great about these old movies. No digital effects, right? Today, with digital effects, you could do some real crazy stuff. And back then, every effect had to be practically done, and that's what makes it realistic. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. It, it seemed like it would it would be a very low budget movie, other than like all. I mean, the makeup. I would say makeup is probably the largest cost. Right? Would Would you agree? Like the makeup for uh, Reagan. 
all the makeup for Reagan, and we talked about um, Max's makeup, AJ makeup as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the the effects. I'm I'm sure building that refrigerator that they uh, set a whole stage in. Um, and by the way, and we can touch on this as we go throughout the episode, the sort of cursed nature of the production, but the entire set burned down uh, at one point during the actual making of the film. So I'm sure it wasn't a, a cheap movie. Uh, it says here on Wikipedia the budget was $12 million, uh, but in I need to do an inflation calculator and see what that is in today's dollars. Um, and I will tell you. I feel like uh, this should be a regular reoccurring sequence on the show we'll call it the the inflation calculator so today it would be about 70 million which isn't like a cheap movie but it's certainly not a blockbuster it's kind of right in the middle okay you know movies today are made for 20 40 million uh but those are pretty small your marvel movies are 200 plus million so you're you're kind of on the lower end Hmm. yeah uh i remember there's um there's the 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 part of the movie that always obviously always is uh like the most I guess the one that sticks out the most is at the is toward the end uh kind of the climax of the actual exorcism um when every like the bed is shaking and everything's like going crazy and stuff like that and uh is it is it I think I oh yeah it's got to be Father Marin because then there's a, there's that second priest that comes in, and he's he's also there. He's like assisting Father Marin. Father Marin's the one that, spoiler alert, he's the one that ultimately dies in the end. Well, right? both of them die. Oh, here we go. Father Dyer. Yes, he's the one who lives, who gives him last rites at the bottom of the stairs. Yes, that's what I'm talking. Yeah. So he yeah he 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 gets um he gets uh knocked out of the window. Right by by the spirit um, by Pazuzu who's leaving the girl's body. Yes, as like a kind of a last ditch attempt. Uh, um, or no, Father Marin does die of a heart attack. So Marin yes. gets, and then and then the other no no, no. flies out the window. Oh no, I'm sorry, I'm mixing them up. Karis goes out the window. Karis flies out the window. Yes, yes. Okay, so but they so they both end up dying. Yes. But then it's the young priest, Father Dyer, who's the one that comes and gives them last rites. And yes. Yeah, so it's it's that that moment I always think of is like just so uh just so crazy. It's just like and and I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, they actually did throw him out the window just based on how how ultra realistic they wanted to make well, this. I will give you a fun fact, which <laughs> is Father Dyer is an actual priest in real life. He's not an actor and they had a very difficult time getting a good reaction out of him during that scene. His friend had just died. And he wasn't acting, so and this is true. The the director uh, actually went up, um, gave the signal to start the cameras rolling. Didn't say anything, so it, it was rolling. He went up to Father Dyer, got in his face, and slapped him as hard as he could, and said, "and and this is true," and said, "act." And he immediately did the scene. And 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 when you're watching the footage of that take that they used in the film, you see his hand is shaking. And in the documentary, he said, "My hand was shaking." Not because of the scene; it was because I had was shocked because I had just gotten slapped, and that's how he got the reaction out of him. True story. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I'm glad you watched this documentary, Sean. It's if you if you're if you really like the movie, it is pretty interesting. I will say, it's where Wikipedia got a lot of their facts from. So if you read the Wikipedia, it's a little redundant, but it's still nice to hear from yeah. from the folks making it. And they have a lot of like uh, 
test test clips and never before seen clips in there. So it's it's interesting. Um, I think the the thing that I like the most about the the filming of the movie is the is the gradual degradation of Reagan's like physical mm, state. Sure. Like how, how over time she just, she goes from being this like innocent girl, uh, to, you know, being a full fledged, well, she, she starts out as like a, like a nice, like normal girl. Then you can tell, you can tell like she, she's, it's like, she's sick. Like she has like some kind of like illness or about her. She's confined to a bed eventually like, okay. Like she, she pees on the floor in that one scene and, um, things are not going right. Um, but then all of a sudden, like I think that that first indication of the of the uh, demonic possession, like the cuts that start appearing just randomly all over her, and then um, you have the uh, the walking, um, like the the shaking fits and stuff like that, and uh, the uh, walking down the stairs in the weird way, like all that. Then eventually, just going up to straight up like possessed. I'm right. I'm really glad. I'm really glad they didn't just start the movie with her being like, like, like she played. I think if this movie were made today, she would by by like a mainstream like blockbuster uh, horror director. I think it would just be like she plays with a Ouija board, a spirit like a C, stupid like computer CG spirit comes out and like possesses her, and in like in like the the like a few frames of computer generated bullshit, she all of a sudden is a is a demon. Um, like just like through like just metamorphosis. I like the gra- – but it sh- I like that it shows it gradual. It's like she gets worse and worse and worse. If you went into this movie not I- – I couldn't agree with you more. And this was I think one of my favorite things was the slow burn and that if you went in not knowing what this movie was about, it takes you over an hour of the movie before you're really clued into, into what's happening. Um, even the really early stuff with the the Ouija board where it kind of moves on its own. Like, even as a viewer, you're like, I don't even know if that did move on its own. I mean, it's that subtle. And you're right. In modern movies, they, and when I talked earlier about the mythology, this is what I mean, is they don't spell it out for you. I, I kept waiting for, you know, they showed the Iraq scene at the beginning and he has this little trinket he pulls out. Um, of the dirt. And I was waiting for that to come back. And I'm like, Oh, when she goes into the attic, like she's going to find it with a note that like explains everything. Cause that's what movies do now. You know, a note this don't break this. It contains the, the, the demon Pazuzu who will possess your daughter. And then she drops it. And then the movie starts. I was waiting for that and they didn't do it. It was so gradual, um, that it was enjoyable to see the progression. You know, th- yeah. it, there's that, there's, there's the moment in the movie where, um, Father Karras uh, comes out of her room and says, you know, she she says uh, she's the devil, not a demon. Normally they don't do that. And I, I threw regular water on her and, and she hissed like it was holy water. Me as the viewer, I'm like, well, maybe she's not possessed. Like they actually keep you going to some degree all the way up until the end of the movie. And then even the ending of the movie isn't super defined because you kill off your two main characters and then Reagan just we barely hear from her at the end of the movie. She just gets in the car and drives off. There's no like super clear tidied up ending here. Yeah. The, 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 the ending, when I first saw the movie many years ago, the ending really kind of pissed me off. Like I didn't, I didn't like the ending when I saw it the first time. I thought that it was, uh, it, it like there was no clear resolution. Um, watching it on a second time, it's, it's I think it's really hard to end a horror movie. Like that's just what that was just my thought when I when I when the movie was over. It's like ending a horror movie is tough because 
I don't think you know. For horror, might be the only genre where you don't want to give the audience what they want. Like you want the audience may like they they might want like a like a tidy resolution where everything is back to normal and the heroes win and everything is like the day is saved. But I think they always want that hand to come up out of the ground at the last minute. Sure. Or they want that like chainsaw noise that from the like off screen. They don't want – I don't think they want a clear resolution. And in this movie, it's kind of hard to to pull that off because like what are you going to have like the demon circling and like oh, you haven't seen the last of me. Like yeah. it's got to be – so there's that there's that scene where she's um, – the girl is leaving uh, and she flies away. And But then at the like the, la- the very last frame of the movie, isn't it like – doesn't it show like it, it kind of it, like is, it's going to happen again or something? No, I mean it's really just it's just Father Dyer standing over the stairs, staring down at them. Right? Or is there another shot after that? No, I think I think that I I might be thinking of Exorcist Two mm. again. This might just be an, another Exorcist Two thing. Uh, or you know what? I, I might have been thinking of Jumanji, Sean. That's not the same at all. <laughs> that's, that's not even close. Though that would be a fun movie to do for the show. I love Jumanji. I do like Jumanji. The original that movie Jumanji. is bananas. I was thinking of the scene at the end where the the Jumanji board is like half buried in the sand, and those kids it's go like over. On a beach, yeah. I thought that something similar happened here, but <laughs> no. I, I might I might have been thinking. But of did Jumanji. you know there is a deleted ending that was cut from the original film? What and what is this deleted ending? And it's based on the book, but this this I'm I'm very glad they didn't include it. But that's my opinion. So Father Dyer is in that last shot at the top of the stairs, but the film continues after that, where Father Dyer walks away, is walking down the sidewalk, and who reappears? One of the few characters we haven't heard from in a while, Lieutenant Kinderman, the detective, um, investigating the murder, and he bumps into Father Dyer and says, "How's it going?" And he goes, "Hey." Do you like movies? You remember the earlier conversation he had with uh, Father Karras. He says, do you like movies? And he goes, yes. And he goes, oh, there's a showing and I have tickets. And they go back and forth on the movies for a little bit. And then eventually Father Dyer says, yes, I'll, I'll join you. And then they kind of are arm in arm like buddies. And I kid you not, which this is insane to me. Lieutenant Kinnerman's last line of the movie is, I think this is the start of something beautiful. And then they walk off as friends into the sunset. <laughs> it's It's obscene it becomes a like a buddy cop thing like. it does well and there's a, a a great um a great discussion in the documentary because they had both the director and writer in the room together during the documentary and they're going back and forth as to should they because he the writer wanted to include it the director didn't and at the end of the day they're like the director's like i didn't want people to leave with a clear opinion one way or the other i wanted them to leave not knowing what had happened and i wasn't going to put a cherry on this sunday and, yes. I, and I get that yeah that 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 ultimately to me that that sums up the whole ending is that <laughs> you don't want to leave a, a a nice bow on it, you don't want it to be the start of something beautiful, you know it's uh it, it's very it's very much a, a, one of those movies that you you talk about right away. Yep. And and I like that about it. Um. Any last thoughts about um, The Exorcist? There's one There's one thing I wanted to go through, but it might take a little while. Matt, we've uh, only done 35 minutes, so... To go through. We, we've got plenty of time. Good. I, I always lose track of and time I, on this show. Well, it's it's so I'm much fun for. talking to you and no, about these... Uh, I've got a whole bunch of notes. I've got plenty more to talk about, so what do, what do you about? want to talk about? You want to talk so, about something? You want me to talk... What do you want to talk about? No, I I, um, I, I wanted... I, I, don't, I, I just... I don't want to feel like I'm monopolizing the conversation no, here, so I wanted We've to make this enough a, of these, buddy. a two-way good. street. So, 
Um, Matt, right, shut so up. I want to talk about something. So, <laughs> no, I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll just mute my mic. Um, yeah, I want to, I want to talk about the, um, the, one of the, the interesting things about this movie is that I think it created so many tropes in oh, the sure. horror genre. Oh, and I sure. wanted to kind of go through each one that, that I found. Hell yeah. Um, looking back on it. Uh, and wa- having watched it again after so many years, um, I, a couple of things that I, that I wrote down is, um, the, the Ouija board, right. Just kind of starting at the beginning of the film, um, the, the concept of like a Ouija board. Uh, I'm sure that there are probably movies that, that brought it up. It was, it was always seen as something arcane and, mm-hmm. and, uh, superstitious in our, our collective, uh, I guess subconscious, but um, this is the first movie that, that I remember, like, and, I, and I'm sure, like, again, I'm sure there, there may have been others before this, but, um, where the Ouija board is like truly cursed, like cursed Ouija board is what I wrote down is like the trope. Like you always see that in horror movies and kids shows and stuff like Ouija board is cursed. They play with the Ouija board. They piss off some spirit. There, there was literally a Ouija board demon. movie. Yes. Right. Case in point. So, um, that's that's one of the tropes that I noticed. Uh, I also noticed the um, I mean, I think everybody everybody kind of parodies that like I I condemn you to the depths of hell or, or the uh, the power of Christ compels power of Christ you. compels you. Yes, that's all. That's always a, the most quoted line. It's in a the great movie. line. Um, uh, the obviously the idea of like demonic possession and and. That that always that seems to come up uh, frequently. Um, elements of elements of Catholicism seeping their way into horror films. I mean, the the movie The Nun came out like a year or two ago. Is just one small example, but you have the exorcism of Emily Rose and the the orphanage and or the orphan. Um, all, uh, like just way too many movies to even sit and name. Yeah. Uh, like kind of bringing in these elements, these cultural elements of, of Catholicism in, in horror movies. Uh, and, uh, oh, the idea of, um, uh, the speaking backwards, she speaks like backwards in one scene like that, seeing that, that is like kind of a, a demonic thing, uh, is, is often echoed in, um, in movies, especially, um, like David Lynch movies have those a lot. I don't know how familiar you are with Mr. Lynch's work, but yeah, he, he, he brings up that trope a lot. Um, so I don't know. Did you, can you think of any, any other ones? Any well, other again, tropes? I think outside the movie, but really this was one of the first times a studio had launched a franchise based on a, on a major picture. Uh, not the first, certainly, but one of the first and the first within the horror genre, um, to get uh, several sequels, um, both then and more recently, um, they also, you know, you also give it credit for some of the later films of the '70s, like The Omen, Amityville Horror, and some of those. Um, yeah, I I agree with you, Matt. I mean, this absolutely legitimized horror. Period. I mean, I think prior to this. They, they, Rosemary's Baby and some of those, I mean, not, not taken as seriously. And I think this one really proved they could be legitimate films. No, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
it's it's uh one of those is really one of those like tone setting movies mm. for for so many so many different reasons um yeah i i had to go in and look up some of the quotes because <laughs> some of these quotes really just this is why earlier in the earlier in the podcast i said that this movie when i watched it for the first time as a uh, middle schooler uh i i always thought the the lines were always really, really funny. The lines are I still great. Do. I think the, the lines are the, insane. A lot of them, especially a lot of the possession things that that come out of uh, and and there's Reagan's a lot there. I'm very close to starting to read some of them, which I absolutely should not do. But there are some very good ones. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just I'm just reading them. Um, yeah, read them on your own time. And and yeah, you could always look. I, we encourage our, our our listeners to go ahead and and look some of them up. These are some some wild stuff. Uh, but yeah, yeah, really, really out there. Especially like imagine like this stuff coming out of a child's mouth in a mainstream movie. It, it was shocking. Nineteen seventy one. Absolutely shocking. <laughs> Absolutely shocking. Yeah. I don't even think I truly don't even know if you could make this movie today. And I seriously, I'm not one of those like cheesy people who say that. I mean it. Some of those scenes would have been cut for sure in a modern version. Yeah. I don't think the language necessarily, but definitely some of the graphic. I mean, I'll just come right out and say it to me. None of these sort of effect based scenes of the movie really scared me or creeped me out or bothered me, except for the crucifix masturbation scene. Yeah. I was not expecting that. And she opens the door and I'm like, I, I was speechless. I did not know what was. And then she takes her mother's mouth and, and shoves her face in it. And then it's like, Oh my God, this is insane. I cannot believe this is in this movie. So that one of, one of that, that scene in particular, I think, um, there was a like generated a ton of controversy. Oh God, yeah. Uh, among moviegoers, uh, I'm trying to see. Yeah, they wanted they wanted it they wanted that scene in particular to to push the rating up to an X rating. Yes, uh, yes, which still existed at the time. R. Yeah. Um. Ultimately, they didn't. Um. Maybe should have been. Who knows? Yeah, I mean. It said, uh, yeah, one one particular film Times writer uh, said, I think if a movie ever deserved an X rating simply because it would keep the kids out of the theater, it would be The Exorcist. Yep. So, yeah. Um, but again, th this was speaking of, of tropes that this started. Uh, I think this um, this started that that idea for mainstream horror movies to like push the envelope. This was like an envelope pushing movie kind of way. And it was, that was, that was the kind of thing that was going on at the time with, with, uh, movies in general. Um, you know, a movie like taxi driver just comes to mind right away. But, um, this, this is one of the, one of the first horror movies that I think went to like, now you, you, you see like, um, paranormal activity, Oh. But their mar their marketing campaign when it first came out in the theaters was like showing audience reactions and being like, 
you know, half the 50% of audience members have to had to leave before the film was over. Like all of that can be said about the exorcist. And I, I don't even know if they, if they use the, this to their advantage. I don't think they did. This was, it was all no, true. The was studio always- was legitimately worried about it. They did. They discussed seriously shelving the movie and never releasing it when they saw the first cut. Yeah. They, they, they truly did not know what to do with it. So, Going back to that crucifix scene, um, they uh, after a week in Washington's theaters, um, and I'm just shamelessly reading off the Wikipedia at this yeah. point. Uh, after a week in Washington's theaters, um, Meacham recalled authorities cited the crucifix scene to invoke a local ordinance that forbids minors from seeing any scenes with sexual content, yeah. even when the actors were fully clothed. Police warned theaters that staff would be arrested if any minors were admitted to the exorcist. So, um, uh, yeah, but then I, on the other hand, they claimed that the film, since the film had no sex or nudity, uh, they had to keep it as an R rating rather than an X rating. So yeah, was R, R was very different at that time than it is today. Because R we think of as the most serious movies today, but at that time, R really. I mean, it was a more aggressive rating, but the PG thirteen didn't exist at the time. I'm pretty sure it just went. GRX maybe at the time I'd have to because they they changed it a bunch throughout yeah, there, those years. There was no, it's my recollection. There was no PG thirteen until was it oh, until, PG thirteen was much later. PG thirteen was much later. that was like the nine the nineties. It, it, it was much later. Yeah, much and later. Yeah. and so an R rated movie uh, minors could theoretically see. You know, it, it didn't. It just meant it was more aggressive. X was where they really got serious. Um, yeah. and there were X rated releases. Um. So. Now, Matt, there's something I would like to talk about. Yeah. Before we do, I was just scrolling through the quotes page on IMDb, and I have to read one of my favorite lines from the movie that doesn't have profanity. Um, And this was when um, her mother was calling Reagan's father because of her birthday, trying to get through to her father, and says this line, which I think is very funny. Operator, you've given me the number four times. What did you do? Take an illiteracy test to get that job, for Christ's sake? (laughs) <laughs> I like I like that line. Uh, that's a, that's an underrated line. Yeah. No, and I would love after this current point, I'd love to talk about the acting in this movie, which I think is for a cast of unknowns, very good. But for me, this movie is made or bro- is made or breaked on the sound and the pacing because this movie, I cannot think of a movie that does a better job of revving up and slamming on the brakes, revving up and slamming on the brakes. It's so shifting aggressively with tone that I think is what makes it a good movie because, and I could point out a bunch of examples, but a a really great one is at the party at the end of the party uh, at the house, they're, they're around the piano, they're laughing, they're playing. Reagan comes in and pees on the floor and the scene suddenly stops. And and it's a sudden tonal shift. It happens a lot when they're coming in and out of the bedroom in the movie where it'll be, dead silent, no sound. The character approaches the room, opens the door, and there's insanity happening inside. Or as soon as they step out of the room, all the sound stops. Everything just stops. And that happens throughout the entire movie. And that's that was probably my favorite part of the movie in terms of how it was technically made, was how they're able to... It's hard to sustain tension for two hours. That's frankly why most horror movies today are not two hours long. Uh, but this film is able to do it because the pacing is so outstanding uh, because of the editing and the sound design, which, by the way, a lot of this movie is very quiet. 
I, I was I was I was thinking in today's modern movies, there would be a lot of like orchestral sounds telling you to be scared, ramping up, dun 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 dun, you know, and, and it's just silent. Yeah, very jar- a lot of modern movies have that like those jarring sound effects. I think about it, you know, the the recent release of it has a lot of that like every it's like the the movie is telling you you're well, supposed it's to like be scared. Well, it's like a studio audience like, How's in a the sitcom. Time you're going to be scared. Yeah, right, like a sitcom. Telling you when to laugh. Telling you when to laugh. Yeah. Yes. It's like now now you got to be scared. The the clown is here. You, this it's you're supposed to be scared now. But I I do appreciate that um the exorcist kind of lets you figure it out on your own like you're uh, supposed to just be unsettled throughout the whole movie. Um, you mentioned an interesting scene that I just want to well, chime in yeah. for a moment on. Um, the scene where Reagan approaches the uh, party goers. And yes. she says an interesting thing. The only thing she says in the scene, the girl, um, when she you know she approaches the piano uh, right before she urinates all over the floor, um, she says she turns to one of the party guests who is an astronaut. And she says, you're going to die up there. Meaning, you know, alluding that he's going to die in space. Oh. But it has a double meaning because it's kind of indicating that, you know, the, I guess a, a, even though they're not at the party, it's like, you know, the, the priests end up dying up there, literally up there in the room with her later on. In was the I supposed to know that was an astronaut? Uh, they, they, they do mention it offhand. It's like one of those little side oh, conversations. Oh, earlier in the have. party. Yeah, I did, that's I why did not realize that. why she said that. Until yeah, you pointed that out. Good that's something point, I totally Matt. didn't get on the first watch through either. Oh. I had to watch it again. Um, actually, it's yeah, it's it's one of those like really subtle things. But oh. yeah, that's why she says you're gonna die up there, meaning like in space. But the double meaning being that that room is everybody's screwed who goes up in that room. Yeah. So, yeah, and like you said, that is really the tonal shift for the whole, whole movie. That's like where things start going from, I guess, from bad to much, much worse. Um, in terms of her condition, uh, I, I liked, and I, and th- this is going to be one of the, one of the movies that we're going to talk about in this series, I guess I'm going to, I'm going to just tease a little bit, uh, rather than spoil is the movie hereditary and, um, the movie hereditary, one of the central themes, uh, it, it involves possession much mm-hmm. like, much like the exorcist. Um, but one of the central themes of hereditary um, is the uh, dichotomy between demonic possession and mm-hmm. mental illness, and yes. and really like it's one of those head scratchers that that really makes you wonder what exactly is going on in the in the in the course of the film. Exorcist was was I think very much like that un- until pretty much until the, I guess the end when they they make it pretty clear that it's demonic possession going on because the exorcists are the ones who ultimately drive the demon out. But at the same time, I, I appreciate that there's no cheesy special effects. You don't see like the ghost well, s- spill out of her mouth and fly away. And, and like, that's why I love it. They never define what is inside of her. They sometimes say, maybe it's the devil. Maybe it's a demon. It doesn't get a name. It's just something that's happening. Like don't, that's what drives. When I said, I like, there's no mythology. It's because these movies that craft these enormous backstories of like, oh, I was in the jungles in Indonesia and I accidentally stepped on a rock that released this 
ancient demon who used to be a fire god to the people of the Mua tribe. And it's like, I don't need any of that. That's not the fun part of the movie. Get to the exciting stuff. And I like that this movie just skips right over it because it's not about that. It's not about the demon that's inside of her. It's about all the bigger stuff because it's a real movie. Yeah. And I like I like my slow burn horror movies. That's that's the the uh, the key takeaway, I guess, from this series. I'm a big fan of that that like really slow moving. Like you have to really get into it and invest and and watch the movie unfold. Yeah, no jump scares um, in this that, movie. I, no, I don't think you could do it any other way. I think jump scares are cheap. I, I'm not a big fan of. Uh, I think it's it's more it like elicits like a natural reaction, whereas this is more like a a cerebral reaction. I think that the the jump scares in in horror movies are like simple sugar. From this might just be like the the biology sure. nerd in me, but um, let's like sim- you eat simple sugars and and you, your body burns them very quickly. Jump scares in movies happen. You're scared in the moment, and but then they they don't stay with you. The cerebral horror of like watching that 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 little girl turn into a like a possessed demon uh or um watching um you know the the the, this group of people wander through the woods and um, you know and and things just start happening to them and you wonder if you know if the the witch is really in that in those woods Mm -hmm. blair witch so i i'm a big fan of that because i think that sticks with you that's more like Whereas the jump scares are the simple sugars, that is more like the carbohydrates that like, you know, your body's got to like takes a long time for them to process and gives you the energy in uh, this, this. They stay. It stays with you. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote in my notes, never spoon feed you what's happening. And I think that's what's great about it. They don't. It's not like the camera turns and points at the thing you're supposed to pay attention to. You know, yes. they, they actually make you do the work. And, I and that's what that. I appreciate. It's yeah. it is it's one of those it it's definitely not a, like yeah it it deserves your full attention and and it really does command your full attention and so I didn't look at my phone once, which is very rare for me during a movie these days because I'm a millennial with a short attention span. So that <laughs> that really the fact I I couldn't look away says a lot. Um, you know, Matt, I'm kind of getting bummed out because our list of movies they're all like really good ones. And I'm wondering if maybe we should do one, like, really mediocre horror movie. Like like a Paranormal Activity or one of the, like, later Saw movies or... Um, I, I'm If anyone out there has any suggestions... I, I don't want, like, cult bad horror movies because those are also fun. I want a movie we're going to hate. Yeah. I, I want the most mediocre, bland, mass-produced horror crap you can find. It's it's a lot like when you you know you you, you get tired of those five star Michelin steaks and we just want to go to McDonald's. No, because I like McDonald's, so it's no, it's more like going to like Applebee's <laughs> or something like that. At least McDonald's right, okay. tastes good. It's not good fair for enough. you, but it tastes good. Yeah, fair enough. You want to go to you want to go to uh, you want to go to Applebee's. Eat out of a dumpster. Yes, that's yeah. that's what that's what we should do. Matt, we're just about out of time. If you have any other thoughts on The Exorcist, um. I, I think I pretty much said my piece on it that that uh, it this has become one of those movies I want to watch every year uh, it, as like tradition. I think that's that's part of the reason I think I'm going to order the uh, the DVD. I, I'm surprised I don't have it already. Game <laughs> well, on me. This is a this is a really good movie. Well, I, I'm believe it or not, Matt, I 
truly enjoyed this movie, which is sh- I'm shocked. And actually, I think I'm going to get the Blu-ray because I believe it has both cuts on it. Because um, I watched the original 73 cut, um, which doesn't include the spider walk scene, um, the end, some of the other scenes that were later added in a couple different editions. So um, I may have to get that and do that. Yeah, there's the one, one uh, I guess, the quote that I want to leave everybody with. Uh, it's when Father Karras uh, is talking to um, talking to the other priest, uh, Father Marin, mm-hmm. and uh, he says something that is, I think, really, really kind of movie, but you really have to pay attention uh, to to appreciate it, and and it's this. Father Karras is is like kind of lamenting the uh, possession of Reagan. And, and, he, and he's like, like, he says, why her? Why this girl? And Father Marin says, I think the point is to make us despair, to see ourselves as animal and ugly, to make us reject the possibility that God could love us. I think that's one of the best quotes in the movie. And it, it really sums up a lot of, a lot of the, um, I guess the intention, the theme, um, the message, I guess, of the movie is is like seeing the most innocent among us fall, which is another trope, you know, like uh, you think of like the, the Dark Knight where um, the Joker corrupts uh, Harvey, Harvey Dent. It's like the, the, the purest among us, which in this case is a little girl. Matt, would it blow your mind to learn the scene you just described was not included in the original 1973 theatrical cut? That really bums me out. Yes, the director. Again, I genuinely, if you are a fan of this film, take an hour. It's on YouTube. Watch the Fear of uh, the Fear of God documentary. The BBC did, but uh, they talk about that scene specifically in there. Uh, in that he believed the director believed it again spelled out the movie too obviously, like the end scene, like some of the other stuff he cut. Where yeah, that, it, it, it's it's you don't he don't again don't want to spoon feed it to the audience they've got to figure but, that out for themselves. See, I disagree. I I thought that was subtle enough where I don't I don't think it was beating the audience over the head. But I still appreciate that they took it out of the film because I I think in that case it's it's better to be safe than sorry. Yeah, I would I would much rather them not uh, force the message down my throat. Then, you know, just kind of let me let me take it on my own. Oh, that's what's great about special editions. You get to add it right back in many years later. Yeah. Um, Matt, that was our look at The Exorcist, a great film. I think you and I both recommend 1973's great film. Uh, Matt, would you like to tell the people at home what the rest of the movies we're going to be covering on the series are? Because I don't want to keep it a secret. I want them to know so they can go watch them and, and enjoy them with us. OK, well, um, so Sean and I both picked our top three. I've got the list right favorites. here. Um, and my, my three I picked, I picked the exorcist was my number one. Um, after that, my number two pick was, uh, I believe was hereditary. Yeah. Or, and then number three, I had the, um, the Blair, Witch, the Blair Project. Witch project. Yes. yes. Good. Okay. So those are my three. And I followed that up with three as well. Friday, the 13th nightmare on Elm street and scream. Uh, and I think, Matt, if you agree with me, uh, I think we should do these in release date order. Starting okay. with The Exorcist, ending with Hereditary. I, I like the, the movies that we picked are very different. Well, and they're Even all different decades the and they're movie, all different. Yeah. yeah. In the and they're all classics. Movie. They are. I uh, think that they could be pretty easily divided like 
I feel like yours are are definitely the 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 more like conventional horror movies. Sure. And yeah, and, yours are uh, out there. Mine are, are the. I mean, I wouldn't say mine are like Blair Witch is kind of out indie, there. But yeah, 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 yeah. And Hereditary was 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 yeah. fairly popular. I'm I'm saying, I guess in terms of. Uh, Form breaking, um, like, sort of. Uh, mine, mine are all slow burns. Yeah, I, I mean, there's no secret there. They're all they're all like gradual buildups. But um, well, I haven't seen any of these. Good. They're so all very good movies. I'm which very is why excited. We need some crappy ones on that list to to balance it out. We need some mediocre ones. Tweet it at us. Add up for debate TV. You want to hear about your bad movies? But Matt, this means next week for chapter two, we will be watching 1980 1980s Friday the Thirteenth. Jason Myers coming to a screen near you. Get your ski masks ready. Oh boy, it's going to be a stabbing good time. <laughs> Get your hockey hockey mask. I don't know hockey why. Mask. Why did I say ski mask? It's Do you know mask. that the hockey mask hockey is mask. not in the first movie? Yeah, yeah. It's, it doesn't. It's. Uh, I'm excited. Going to have so many fun facts next week. You're going to learn. Uh, so I think much. it's just. Oh man, it's been so long since I've seen that. Is it? Do they just do like cuts of? Uh, is it like he's like dark, like in the shadows, like he's very he's not like in the movie shadow. because spoiler like, alert, the killer is his mother in the first movie. Jason isn't in the movie. What am I thinking of? I might be thinking of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah, you might be. OK, di- well, totally different movie. Rather anyway, than us speculate, it's been a long time. we're going to go watch the movies it. next yeah. week. We'll be back for chapter two. Uh, please come back with us. Uh, we appreciate it as always. Uh, UpForDebate.tv is our website. You can go there and get all the episodes, past, present, and future. Just click the archive button. Check out last week, the newlywed game. A lot of fun. You're going to want to watch that one. Uh, you can also subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher. We're everywhere. And the video version on YouTube. And, of course, you can uh, get in contact with us. Add up for debate TV, Tweet at us or email us, UpForDebateTV at gmail.com. Matt, this has been a spooky good time. Uh, but we have got to roll. Uh, so that is that. On behalf of Man, I'm Sean. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on another scary up for debate. This has been a Coffee and Beer production, executive produced by Matt Mariani and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.